continuing series of song deconstructions are uh, talking about the new song we wrote called Wretched Promises in the Dark, which we call a side trance experience. Uh, we typically put together songs using our hardware workflow in a stream of consciousness kind of jam band fashion where we roll the tape, in this case digital tape, on a Zoom R2424 track recorder while we manipulate our analog and digital sense. We've got um, two modes, a mode drummer from another mother, a DFAM, and a mother 32. And we also have an Arteria Mini Brute 2S. And we have uh, the modes all in our Arteria Rack Brute 6U, 
along with a make noise um, math module, utility module, and a make noise morphogen sampler. Everything gets routed from the from the um, Eurorack uh, using a Pittsburgh um, Instruments two by four Eurorack mixer, which allows us to take the the VCA signals from all the modules and mix them at particular levels before we even bring them into our initial mixer, which is a Roland MX1 performance mixer. And then we take that mix and bring it into the Zoom. On top of that, we play, use the Juno GI um, Polysynth as our primary keyboard. And then on we have a JVXI um, stacked above it and then a BeatStep Pro. Um, if everybody's seen our Instagram, you can see that rig, uh, how it's set up. Uh, and, and I use um, a combination of like a, a wireless headset in some cases, and then I have a studio electronics um, full studio mic with shielding on it um, for, for, for deeper, uh, higher quality recording of vocals. And so what I've done with this song is I kind of let the tape roll and came up with this uh, student consciousness lyric, uh, basically Josephine uh, ranting about being done wrong uh, by her lover. And what I did though different is uh, I didn't use the DFAM for a drum beat. I actually used the Arturia Mini Brute 2S. And the 2S can operate like a drum machine. It has the ability to create a really good modular, you know, modulated uh, rhythm uh, using uh, its capabilities. And uh, I, I started to play with the step sequencer and then play with the filter. And this system, um, it has a, a like a dual uh, multi-mode filter. And, and it has a really interesting ADSR with a loop capability. And so I used those capabilities to create a drum beat and I played the filter. Like I've talked about before with these um, analog synths, you can actually do the knob per function, play the envelopes, um, manipulate the envelope, manipulate the filters, manipulate the oscillators with the, the knobs while you're rolling tape. And that is, and then you also can switch, um, you know, your, your, your level, your pulse width or your FM uh, modulation. And so a lot of times uh, in a ghost song, when I'm rolling the tape, I do that. In this particular song, I did that. I, I did a lot of manual manipulation of, um, on the modes, the, the, the actual <clears throat> ladder filter, and then on the arteria, the multi-mode filters, I actually manipulated the dials. I've also done that on the Mork Make Noise Morphogene, and the Morphogene is a, a recurring uh, instrument I use a lot. I, I tape, uh, I actually record a family like a ghost song as a sample and then I run it either as a backwards tape loop or uh, a forward loop or I play the filter where I actually, you know, manipulate the controls on the make noise morphogene like the way I do on the modes and play with the, with the controls on, on the actual instrument, changing the speed of the sample, changing um, uh, the, the, the actual composition of the sample, you know, morphing the time scales and the time, the time um, periods on it where I can kind of make different points in the sample collide 
so I do a lot of that on top of the other stuff I'm doing. I've been using the VTO3 vocal transformer for Josephine Electric Voice. Um, and this song, you know, basically is, is a stream of consciousness lyric that I just have Josephine kind of doing a recurring theme of, of, of what happens when, you know, your lover isn't who you think they are, or you're not even who you think you are in the, in the looking glass and you're not, you know, really matched and it ends up becoming a whole wretched promise that's broken. And that's the whole feel of the song. Uh, it's really the construction and the way I built the song that has a lot of the, the tricks that I use uh, using the, the, the synths that I use, the, the analog and the digital combined. And that kind of goes into a couple of things. I'm looking forward to getting an OPZ from Teenage Engineering. That's their great little uh, workstation that's the size of a TV remote. I'm very interested in seeing what I could do in uh, like bedroom recording, because you could actually take this thing because it's so small and be like laying in your bed, you know, uh, and write a song and then bring that into the workflow. Uh, one of my concepts would be to, you know, write a demo on, on a OPZ and then bring it in to my Morphogene and then alter it there and track it to my Zoom. Another method would be is to run it into my MX1 performance mixer and run the step sequencing that runs all the effects on different steps uh, as an additional edit um, and roll the tape on that. So, or even just run it um, completely into my workflow and then add overdubs with you know the Moog and the other instruments I've talked about. And I think it would be, be really cool to use it for performance when you um, have to have a lighter presence. So. If anybody see my rig on the internet, it's a heavy thing to move around. So if I had an OPZ as my primary sequencer, and then brought my Eurorack, which has, you know, the DFAM in it. So I'd have a drum machine. It's got the Morphogene for sampling. It's got the Arteria Mini Boot 2S for more pad control. Uh, and then my other idea would be able to get like an, uh, an, the new Rolex Axe and use that as my primary keyboard. And then just have that in a, you know, and I, I would have a very much a lower footprint for my show. Um, I bring my studio electronics microphone, but I bring my, my um, wireless mic. And the cool thing about the accent is it actually has the ability to has a voice order inside of it. So I necessarily might not need the VTO3, but I might because it has maybe deeper, deeper options. Um, but it just, there's a lot of cool things about some of the synths out there. The accent now has Bluetooth manipulation from your iPhone to update it, uh, the Teenage Engineering, you can get your sound engines from iOS directly, which is really cool. So then if you have your iPhone, you've got your, your OPZ, and you've got your mini, uh, your Eurorack, and maybe your, your keyboard. In this case, I'm saying play an axe. Uh, you can have a pretty good performance, and then you can be out front. One of the things right now when I'm recording, you know, I'm, I'm behind my stack of keyboards. So if I had the axe, I could kind of get out front. And if I did a full show, like on for when I do a full show, I do bring my full rig with my my um, road cases and everything, and all that entails. If I had to do a show at a festival, I would bring the full rig. But having the axe would be great to be able to get in front of it and provide the um, performance that is typically 
seen from a guitar player. Because you could be in front of the rack and you could be solo and doing all kinds of cool things. <clears throat> the other thing, excuse me, um, that, that I'm very interested in and uh, jumping in on the conversation that's been talking, everybody been, everybody's been talking about the new release from Moog, the Moog One. And a lot of people have been complaining about the price. Uh, on Sonic State, there was a good statement about it's not that it's the price, it's the fact that you can't afford the price. Because you got to think about it, this is a boutique, this is like a flagship instrument, similar to when the Prophet 5 came out or the um, Roland Jupiter 8. You know, at the time, the Jupiter 8 was very expensive. Not everybody could get it. You know, it's a flagship. The Prophet 5 was very expensive, but nobody could really get it. The Polymog was expensive, the Mermog was expensive. Just because something's expensive doesn't mean it's not good. <clears throat> this means that you can't afford it. And when there's a flagship instrument, it's meant for the upper tier of musicians or the people who feel that it's worth t sacrificing the, their funds for it. If you think about what, what this instrument represents, is Moog has not been in this area for 30 years. And where, when they did have instruments, the Poly Moog and the Memory Moog, they're very significant instruments. They had capabilities that other instruments didn't have. If you're a musician, you're always looking for that tone or that sound that makes you go get that particular instrument. If you look at all the great guitar players, they have hundreds of guitars, if not thousands of guitars, because each guitar has a unique sound. Sense they're the same way. We have tons of mono sense, and there's always a reason for somebody to get a mono sense. In a lot of cases, mono sense aren't that aren't super expensive or not beyond the range of most people. So there's no complaint, you know, except when you get to the higher end, like a Model D, maybe there's a complaint. But uh, if, if, if you think about polysense, they're analog. They're far and few between. You know, you have the Prophet 5, you have the OB6, you have, you know, um, some stuff from Waldorf. You got some things out there uh, that, that are very interesting. But, you know, Korg got the prologue now, but there's nothing like this Moog One. It's a three VCO, not DCO. They're not digital oscillators, they're analog oscillators. And it's multi-trimble, which I don't see any other instrument being that. So this thing is actually three polyphonic synths in one. There's nothing like that. The fact that you could, on the 16 voice, have 48 oscillators firing off, that's, you know, that's incredible. And if you think about, if you can do that on all three, Think about that. And then the fact that Moog finally has multiple LFOs going back to the modular days um, that you can route any way you want. And we finally have two filters, a ladder filter and then a multi-mode filter. And you have just the aspect of this is a, is a high instrument with a front tower keyboard, old cabinet, it's aluminum, it's not plastic, except where you know plastic is warranted. The fact that you can save tones and they can save projects. Uh, it has sequencers on all three synths from the multi-trimble level. Uh, you're talking about a, a flagship instrument, and it can't be understated that this is an instrument for people who feel it's important to have Moog doing a polysynth. And then the other thing I think a lot of people, there's some people that would say, well, polyphonic analog synths didn't really fully take off because they take up too much headroom in the mix. But that's if when you're mixing, you don't think a synth should be out front. 
do you think other instruments should be in front? So if you're a synthesis, if you're somebody that believes in the new wave, you believe in craft work, you believe in and and the synth can be up front, and it is its own, um, uh, you know, tone that deserves to be up front. Then this is the kind of instrument you want because this is the kind of thing that I think a band like Churches would would create very heavy new wave um, song operas, you know, story songs that, you know, the progressive bands that want to push the envelope like a Radiohead or Wilco, this kind of machine is keyboard is going to give a keyboardist somebody like that could play at the level of a Keith Emerson or Wakeman or Stevie Wonder. It's going to give those players the ability to put together uh, songs and soundscapes and sound paintings that have uh, a, a, a flavor and a color that we don't have today. And I think it would give new musicians a way to build very complicated music. Now, if you've got a punk aesthetic and you say, well, I don't need that. But, you know, even if you do have a punk aesthetic and you think about like the industrial music, this is going to give you such a fat sound that as a keyboard player, you could go into a club and have something as heavy as Jimmy Page coming out. You know, something as heavy as Pete Townsend coming out, but from a keyboard perspective. And there's you know, music that can use that. I, a lot of the ghost music is the fact that we want to, are frustrated. I'm a frustrated guitar player that, you know, couldn't play guitar and I try to do it to my keyboard. This type of instrument that has this kind of power would allow me to do my, my, my kind of heavy synth hardcore playing. Uh, and it would really fill the room is what, you know, and a, a synthesis that wants to use an analog synth usually wants to fill the room <clears throat> with a vibe that they need the power to do that. And yeah, a DX7, and you know, if you go back in the day, um, the D50 allowed artists to do a more nuanced mix. And it was maybe, you know, less booming and less, uh, you know, oppressive in the mix. It didn't take over the whole sound. But that was what they wanted to do. If you're doing atmospheric music, yeah, you don't want to be that aggressive. But if you're doing something else that's more punk aesthetic, that's more like in your face, having an instrument that can really cut through the mix and be that powerful is is a particular, you know, desire for certain artists. And so I would think, yeah, maybe some artists that want to be more nuanced wouldn't want that kind of overpowering sound. But I'm gonna be the kind of guy that wants that overpowering sound, and I think I want to be able to use it to prove that synths can be there, like like a punk guitar player or a heavy rock band or a heavy metal band. You can have that sound. I think Trent Reznor shows what you can do there. I think Turtles shows what you can do when you put the synths up front. Um, you know, so I, I I think that if you think going back to Joy Division, going back, you know. The, to a lot of the bands like Duran Duran, you know, using the Jupiter 8s. Uh, there's a reason to have the synth that much up front if you want to go that way. And I think it would bring back maybe a new era in progressive rock, and some people would be like, oh, I don't like progressive rock. It's too over overwrought. Uh, well, you know what? There's, something, there's a place for that type of music. And like I said, I have a punk aesthetic, and there's a lot of synth players, industrial synth players, 
of you know cyberpunk players, you know technopunk, uh, that have a desire to do a darker, harder, edged synth work. And you know everybody goes and say, "Well, Pretty Hate Machine is a good example of that." Well, it's true, uh, and and that is the kind of power that I like to put into to a song. And you, you hear a song like "When Miss Electric Comes to Town" from from the Ghost from Peg. It's coming from that kind of do replacement sex pistol zone, class zone. You know that you can use a synth like that, and if you have a synth that's that booming and that powerful, I think you could use it to that degree. There are all those who think it's too expensive. Just remember, the Model D was the price of a car. Uh, the Mo- the Mode One is not the price of a car because you can't buy a car for eight thousand dollars brand new. Um, you can buy a used car, but you can't buy a brand new car. And back in the day, the Model D cost what a brand new car cost. So I think you got to take the relative to that. And the fact that it's a flagship instrument, it's like a Jupiter Eight, it's like a Proc Five, it's like a Hammond organ is a high-tiered instrument and if you feel as a musician not as making a profit but as a musician that you bring something to you and you put your effort into like i work uber and i work uber and lift i might work a lot of overtime hours work a lot of extra hours to be able to get this because i feel that it's going to bring me a palette that nothing else is going to have and so there's a reason to get it, whether or not you make a profit or not. Sometimes making music is not about making a profit. Uh, if you think about the great poets, uh, a lot of them were not successful in their lifetime. A lot of great bands, from the Velvet to Big Star, were not successful in their lifetime. doesn't mean they didn't go and invest in their equipment and find the right guitars, find the right keyboards, find the right things to do, and spend the time and spend the money to do their art because they felt the need to do the art. So I think there's there's a there's a misunderstanding from the, the home market that like all cents have to be cheap to be egalitarian. But you gotta remember, like you as an artist need the sound that you need, and a lot of times you'll go and do whatever you can to do it. And there's a lot of people that are saying it's too expensive, but they still run down a polymog and they're gonna spend like eight thousand dollars on a polymog. And this machine is better than the polymog. It's going to be more reliable than Polymog and bring you a sound that Polymog can never do, and probably in the same space that a Polymog was in. Uh, and you could actually take it on the road and use it. Where the Polymog, you spend eight thousand dollars for an old one, you're probably going to not want to take it on the road in fear that you're going to wreck it. So, you know, there's 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 reasons uh, to look at what Moog is doing. Moog has been steadily bringing their old technology to the market. They've been very fair, I think. If you think about what they did with the grandmother, they provided this year access to modules that were in machines that cost tens of thousands of dollars. You know, a model thirty-three is like thirty-three thousand dollars. Model fifty-five is like fifty forty-five to fifty thousand dollars. There are modules on the grandmother from those modules, from the original Moog um, um, systems, modular systems. And they were totally out the range of every hobbyist. But now they put them at, at a level on a build quality that's as good as a Model D. So for all those who complain about the price, look at the, what Moog's giving you. Gave you a GFAM, a Mother 32, and a Grandmother. All within uh, the range of most hobbyists. 
and give you a level of quality you can't get from a VST or a soft stamp. Uh, and so for the higher end market, there are a lot of higher end guys are using those instruments, but it would, they would be preferred to have a full polyphonic stamp if they could. And this gives them the ability to have that. And you could still have a grandmother with a, a, a Moog One. There's a reason to. There's, there's, a, there's a spring reverb in the grandmother that's not in the Moog One. There's some filters and mechanisms in the grandmother that aren't in the Moog One because it's using many, uh, many Moog VCOs. And the new VCOs are different. So they can both live in the same space. They're two different things. They have different sounds. They don't sound the same. They're going to be different um, because the oscillators are different. And so there's a reason. And this is the same thing with a subsequent 37. The subsequent 37 oscillators are not many Moog oscillators. They're their own thing. So now Moog's got the, the oscillators from the subsequent 37, which are not the same as the Model D. The Model D has its own oscillators. Um, the grandmother uses oscillators that are based on Model D, and now we have these brand new oscillators for the Mode One, which have never been seen before because it has they, they work with a multi-mode filter and a ladder filter. So I believe, as as a as a musician, um, I don't think a lot of people would complain if somebody's looking for a custom guitar from the '50s and '60s and spent a lot of money on that. There's a tone in that guitar that's worth getting that instrument, and I think with a synth. Well, I think it's like a Hammond organ. There's a reason to get a classic Hammond organ. There's a reason to get a Steinway. People need to think as a keyboard player, not just a, a, an electronic musician. I think they would understand more. Like having a, a really high quality keyboard in the synth market that's, that's not just uh, a price point system, but something that is going to allow players that can play keyboards. Uh, I think there's been some people have been forgetting about the people who are actually musicians that can play keyboards, not just producers that use MIDI keyboards that aren't traditional keyboard players. Now, Moog did design the Moog initially to not even have to be a keyboard player. It didn't have a keyboard. And, you know, alternative input methods go back to the day of, of the complement B sequencer. You didn't need to have a keyboard to trigger a mode. You could just do it from the mode without the keyboard uh, with the complement B or, or similar devices before the complement B came to, came to life. So I am fully aware that I have alternative keyboard methods. I have, you know, um, an arterial beat step pro. I have a mini group 2S with the sequencer with the pads. I do a lot of creation of songs with pads because it gives you a different way of doing it than the traditional keyboard. But when you do need to use a chord, which I think the Moog One is gonna bring back the use of two-fisted chords in electronic music. And not only that, because it has it's multi-triple at three levels, you can have six to, I mean, you can have six sets of chords being done in a song with polyphonic voicing from an analog, analog VCOs. And that can't be stated, you know, even uh, understated as the fact that that's gonna give you a sound and a complexity in the tone because of the use of the chords that when you're a songwriter, 
chords are very important to the feel of a song. And a lot of times in, the, in this monophonic, um, you know, mon, uh, analog synth uh, focus where people have been just doing, using these monophonic synths and layering one note at a time in sequences, I think people have forgotten about the chords. Uh, and, and chords are very important. On the OPZ, one of the coolest things is the fact that you can do chords on that system. It's not just monophonic. Uh, I think chords give you a, a color to your sound and to your melodies that is very important to a song structure. I'm not saying that you can't do songs without it because there's a lot of songs that have been created in the last uh, several several years using this monophonic sense and layering them, which it can be done. But if you're a keyboard player, being able to actually play at the instrument in, in a more traditional way, sometimes useful for the structure. And then you can still have the monophonic experimentation and sequencing happening around it or in in the song itself. doesn't mean you can do one or the other. You can do both. And I think a mode one and the prologue um, and, and, you know, um, the OB6 and the Prophet 6 are all the types of instruments that you do that with. But the mode one jumps to the front of the line three-part multi-tremble uh it's got three vcos firing off with polyphony they got 48 oscillators in unison that are analog in nature so i'm going to get off my soapbox for that i feel that the mode one is totally justified it's a revelation it's going to create a whole new level of electronic music for those who use it uh, i do feel for those that might not be able to get it Hopefully there'll be a rack mount version of it at some point, or even a VST uh, version of that kind of goes away from the original concept because the VST, in my opinion, could never fully match the full sound of this thing because analog is the whole purpose. So that's it for today. Uh, we're going to be talking to Kendra Black tonight on Anchor. We're going to redo our interview with Stefan Kidd because we had some sound quality issues. And then we're going to um, continue our, our our performances on Facebook. We're going to be on deck to do a YouTube video or a Facebook video of our OPZ once we get it. And we're going to put together a song. We're going to go through that uh, in the future when we get it in November. Thank you. This is Ram Electric Ghost, and we're pushing our brand new record, Dark Ghost Volume 1 which is going to be on Digger's Factory Records. And so if you go to https forward slash forward slash www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash 226598, you can get our brand new album on pre-order. comes out in April. We have 196 copies out of 200 left. It's $24 plus shipping and handling. It's a two vinyl album. It is our statement on electronica, experimental music, and progressive trance. It is um, mastered for vinyl, and it's it's our first vinyl record. It's part of the Dark Ghost series of records. So again, it's www.diggersfactory, that's D-I-G-G-E-R-S, factory, all one word, dot com, forward slash vinyl, forward slash two two six five nine eight and we'd appreciate your order and um, we'll be 
very happy um, that you you you're checking out our music and uh, and we'll be very supportive of uh, of you as a as a fan because we'll give you some cool goodies if you sign up. So please check it out. It's www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash two two six five nine eight.